You're listening to the North Country Conservation Series. I am your host, Whitney Lewis, from the Coas County Conservation District. Join me as we explore local conservation-based careers in forestry, wildlife, fisheries, conservation law enforcement, soil science, agriculture, and many more. Follow along as we investigate these careers, examine relationships and impacts, reflect on the history of Coas County, and discover what conservation is and why it's truly important as we look towards the future. Awesome. Welcome back, everyone. This is Whitney Lewis from the Coas County Conservation District. I am the district manager, and I am here today with Scott DeBoyce from Columbia. He's here to talk to us about dairy farming. So it's great to have you here, Scott. Thanks for taking some time off from the farm to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Do you mind introducing yourself a little bit, telling us your farm name, all those things? Uh, My name is Scott Deboys. I live in Columbia, New Hampshire. My farm name is Blue Mountain Dairy. It's kind of a traditionalist where they had the farm for years. The mountain behind it was Blue Mountain. Oh, nice. They changed the name to Bunnell Mountain. I just couldn't deal with that. Yeah, yeah. Keep with the Blue Mountain. I like Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) Awesome. Third generation on the farm. Nice. That's wonderful. Cool. So what steps did you take to get to where you are today with your farm? I was born and raised on the farm, being third generation. Yeah. Over the years, my father grew the farm. Mm -hmm. When I bought it, I tore down the existing old worn out barn and built a new facility. Oh, nice. The currently farm milks 86 cows, nice. crops to uh, 400 acres of cropland. Oh, really? Wow. I didn't know that. That's quite a bit. Good. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and is it all in Columbia or do you have some land extended? I have extended land, land in Colebrook, Stewartstown. Nice. I'm all over the place. That's good. But busy. Oh, very busy. <laughs> Keeps you out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> trouble? What's that? Any time. Yeah. Yeah. So as a farmer, you're a jack of all trades. So what are some skills that you really utilize on the farm? I'm always a veterinarian, nutritionist, mechanic. Yeah, absolutely. Business side, accounting. Right. Everything. You name it, you have to learn it and do yeah. it. Yeah. So not only are you actually in there with the animals, you're doing the stuff behind the scenes, you know, sitting down, doing all the book work and book things work, like that. planning, cropping, you name it. What's your favorite thing to do out of all those things? Look in the cows. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> Probably the easiest one to do, it's maybe. <laughs> not easy, but it's the only place in the farm where we actually make money. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, it's kind of important. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, tell me a little bit more about the history of your your family's land and how it was farmed in the past versus how it is now. Oops. Oops. Just (laughs) dropped it again. That's all right. It happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like I said, third generation. My grandfather purchased a farm back in 1941 or 43 in that ballpark. Wow. It was an old farm. He bought it, logged it, Mm -hmm. stumped it. Mm-hmm. Picked rocks. Oh my gosh, that's a lot of work. Turned into pasture. Wow. He did it all with horses, stone boats. Wow. And family help. Wow. Did, did was there a lot of children to be able to help on the farm? He the came. Past? He came from a family of seventeen, mm-hmm. and every spring they would come down from Canada and help him clear the land. Seventeen children in his family. 
Wow. Amazing. God bless the mama. <laughs> wow. Cool. So what year was he able to actually purchase his first tractor? Because I'm sure it was probably a challenge getting started. And then I think he was in the mid fifties. He got his first tractor. Do you remember what kind it was? Old Farmall Super M. Ooh, Farmalls. My husband would be so happy to hear that. He's a Farmall guy. <laughs> oh, do you still have that today? No. no, I'm sure it was utilized quite a lot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so do you grow your own grain for, for your cows? I, I don't have enough land base to grow my own grain or the manpower to grow it and harvest it. Okay. Wow. For me, it's easier and more convenient to purchase my grains. Yeah, where do you usually purchase it from? Uh, from pooling grains. Nice. Out of Newport. Wow. Yeah. So, how many acres would you have to have in order to support your operation? I'd have to have another three hundred acres minimum. Wow. Yeah, and that's that's hard to find because land just gets eaten up right away, and then also you'd have to turn it into pasture land. Or and crop land. Crop land. Yeah, that's is... a lot of work. Wow. Cool. Um, so in what ways do you implement and practice environmental stewardship and conservation on your farm? Over the years, I've done projects with NRCS. Okay. Two year, three years ago, I did a big stream bank risk uh, stabilization project. Okay. Cool. Can you explain that project a little bit? What they did, they came in and pulled back the riverbank and planted trees, shrubs, grasses mm -hmm. to stabilize the bank. and in order to let the river flow over the top of the bank rather than gouge into the bank. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense to decrease that erosion that yep. could happen. Nice. So that's wonderful. And you worked with NRCS right here in Lancaster yes. then. And who did you work with? It was Kelly Eggleston at the point at that time. Oh, awesome. She's wonderful. Oh, she's a sweetheart to yes. work with. She is. She is. <laughs> Wealth of knowledge as well. <laughs> Great. Um, and did you do any manure pits or any of those sort of things to yes, you? I put in two manure pits through okay. NRCS. Oh, nice. Okay, they helped with that. That's yes. great. Can you explain for people that might not know much of what that is, what it consists of? It's more or less a cement bunker that stores manure in a contained area so it doesn't leach out through the soils mm -hmm. and distorts it there so you don't have to daily spread it or okay stockpile in the fields and spread later just safer right so definitely a good management practice yes. for conservation i'm sure joe homer who was here earlier today would be very happy to hear that you're <laughs> watching out for those soils yes <laughs> <laughs> oh awesome that's that's great so, so where you are right now and you're thinking about the future what are what are you thinking what's your do you have any goals who are you hoping to take it over what's what's on your mind I'm hoping at least one of my children will come in and take it over from me. Mm -hmm. You have two children? I have three. Three children. Oh my goodness. I Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wonderful. And are they all locally still? Or? My son's a school teacher in the local schools. Oh, wonderful. Does he teach science? Yes. Great. Teaches awesome. middle school science. Oh, wonderful. I, I know that. <laughs> I used to do that too. That's great. My awesome. oldest daughter lives in Wisconsin. Oh, wow. She's doing biological engineering or something like that. That's I'm, technical. That's... It's way over my head. I can't keep up with her. <laughs> well, that's exciting. That's more or less in the animal sciences field. Right. Absolutely. Is she hoping to come back? I don't think she will. No. 
Well, we'll see. The farm is under a thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Then my youngest one's a junior at UNH. Oh, wonderful. In dairy science. Oh, goodness. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed that he comes <laughs> back. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Do you think you'll ever want to expand your operation or keep what you have now or decrease? I think I'd say about size. Yeah. It's enough, but not too much. Right. That makes sense. I like to looking into doing some on-farm processing Okay. or value-added on-farm. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. That makes sense. Um, so can you talk about the transition of dairy farming practices that really just focused on the industry and co-ops over the years? So maybe like how things started and how it progressed. Well, the first started is hand milked cows. Oh man. Yeah. How long would it take to hand milk a cow? A long time. Uh, and hope that they don't kick the bucket, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, back in the day, the cows did not produce as much as they do today either. Oh, really? Can you explain why? Well, through genetics and nutrition work. Oh, okay. They've increased production. Wow, that's really neat. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Anything else that you want to elaborate on that transition from before to now? Well, like I said, they did milk by hand buckets. They had the milk cans. They stored in water coolers. Oh, my. And the truck would come around and pick up the milk cans every day. Yep. And take them to the creamery. Yep. From that, it went to uh, bulk milk storage tanks. Okay. Wow. So they milked the cows with the machines, mm -hmm. put them in those, and... Right. Then the truck came on, pumped the milk out of the tank, into the hauling tank, into the creamery. Oh my goodness. So it's it's a big production. It is. Absolutely. It's not just simple, oh, I'm going to go to the store and pick up a gallon of milk. It's There's a lot of work a lot gone in behind to it. make that one gallon yes. of milk. For sure. And cool. today, most people have walk-in piles where the cows come to you and loose housing. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so it's getting more efficient. Right. Nice. And that probably helps like learning more, looking at the science, developing technology. Yeah, for sure. Because I'm sure before like milking one cow by hand versus now hooking a cow up to a machine, it probably increases like or decreases, I should say, time by quite, quite a bit. It does decrease time, but you're also getting more production out of that same cow. Right. Yeah. Cool. That's interesting. <laughs> Can you talk more about maybe changes in cattle breeds, feeds? You kind of mentioned a little bit about that. Vet services, that availability, dairy products. Most people run either Holsteins or Jersey cows up here. Which one's your favorite? Holsteins. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yep. I was, grew up with Holsteins, so they're my favorite. Yeah. I frequently like the red Holsteins rather than the black and whites. Nice. The same yeah. whole scenes are whole scenes, but you can either come in red or black. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> and for feed, you said you already feed them pooling grain. And mm. have you always done that, or did it change over the years? You can switch different companies. will deliver you bulk grains. Yeah. Depends who you like and who wants to work with you. Okay. And services provided. Yeah. Being we're so far removed from most places, it's hard to get services up here. Yeah, I can imagine that's a challenge. If you call them and say, oh, yeah, I'm in Colebrook, Columbia, New Hampshire, mm -hmm. they're like, whoa, is the, every other reaction, where's that? <laughs> no, no, it's always good because they're, they're out in Newport, Vermont, so it's not terrible. Too far. Mm. Well, that's good. That's good. And vet services, we have two vets that do service area. Okay. But they only come up every other week. Okay. 
So if something happens, you have to wait a week. So a week or two weeks depends when it happens. So you have to figure right. out what's going on on your own. A call to that, right? For your emergency call. Ooh, and I'm sure if it's an emergency call to try to get them out here, that's probably pretty expensive. It's really pricey. Yeah. Have you ever had any instances where that had to happen? Just once. Just once. Ooh, what's the story behind that? I had a half of the calf got stuck and I couldn't get it out. Oh no. And I've had him doing a C-section on her to get the calf out. Oh my goodness. I didn't know you could do that on no. a cow. Uh, wow. So the vet did that procedure and yep. you assisted? Yep. Wow. How, how was that? It was interesting. Yeah. What, did it take a long time? It took about an hour. Really? And that, did the cow lose a lot of blood? Was Hardly she a... any. Really? You would have known she had a, a major operation. Really? Wow, and she just bounced back, no problem? Yeah. Wow. I let Don let her go, and she went straight to eating, like nothing ever happened. Are you kidding? No, wow. that's un un unbelievable. I wish when I had a C-section it was that easy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should call the vet. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. You have some reliable people, even though it's a challenge, so sometimes it could be a week or two. Who do you usually call when you, you make that call? Uh, Earl Brady. Oh, what about Earl Brady from CJEJ Farm yes. in Columbia? Nice. That's wonderful. He's a great guy. Yep. Cool. I've him since he was a wee lad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure he grew up with your son, right? Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Cool. Um, He's learned that if I call, there's usually a major issue. Yeah, because I'm sure you try to handle things on the farm yourself. Yep. And then if it's a big issue, like having a C-section uh, for a cow, that's kind of a big issue. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond my capabilities. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't blame you. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to mention about dairy products and even just workforce over the years and the farm? The workforce is next to impossible to find somebody to work on a farm. Hmm. Yeah. So why do you think it's such a challenge today to find someone? Because it's real work. You're not mm -hmm. pushing buttons or sitting in on your bottom. Mm -hmm. You're up, you're moving, mm -hmm. it's very physical, physically demanding. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of kids don't really get that nowadays. No. Because no. when I grew up, we used to do a lot of small square bales to sell. Yep, yep. You go down the street corner, you can pick up two or three kids and they'll help you, no problem. Right. You can't find that anymore. Mm. And if you do find somebody, they work for like an hour, I said, this is work, I'm out of here. I'm done. Oh no, that's not good. No. <laughs> so I wonder if this is a trend not only just here in Coast, but across the whole United States. I think it's a trend everywhere. So other farmers are probably having the same experience, shorthanded, need the help, and you can't find the help. Yeah. Or skilled help. Yeah. So I wonder what's going to happen in the future because farmers necessarily, we, you guys run America. Like you produce our food, our clothing, our shelter, like everything is farmed from the soils. So hopefully some kids can kind of get a little spark of interest and passion in that <laughs> yeah. and, and get moving a little bit so we can continue with the generations. The more modern farmers, more modern than me, use a lot of robots. Yeah. Okay. And local robots. Wow. That's had, technical. Yeah. <laughs> they had their feed with a little machine. They'll push up the feed for the robots. Wow. I mean, it's it's crazy how advanced they are. Yeah. If you have the money to afford the tool, the toys. Right, exactly. <laughs> and small scale, I'm sure, is the challenge mm -hmm. for sure. It's either do you pay a man 
to do the job or do you get a machine to do the job? Mm. That's, yeah, that's a concept to grasp. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, so um, on the lines of that, like what can we talk about as far as um, why was there a need for conservation practices in farming today? Back in the day when they first started, there was very little thought of conservation. Okay, it was just that makes sense. You just do it, your work. Yeah. You crop it, you leave the soil barren on top over the winter, you didn't think nothing. Now it's more, we need to preserve our soil, build our soils. That's right. the, what feeds the animals that feeds you. Right. So you have to take care of the soils Absolutely. through conservation. Yeah, do you do cover cropping in the winter time? This far north, it's hard to do cover crops. Okay. There's not enough time or heat after the crop is off to re-establish a new crop to hold the soil. Okay, that makes sense. Our climate up here is definitely it different is than other places, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, I try to keep my corn ground out of the floodplains. Yeah. And keep the floodplains in grass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, is there a certain area where you're really passionate about with conservation practices in farming? I like to manage my grasslands for wildlife as well. Yeah. Some fields I only take one cutoff to let it nutrients or let grasses and vegetation grow for the animals over the winter and the fall when they need it. Nice. Yeah. I'm sure you probably get lots of turkeys, deer. Turkeys, deer. Are you a hunter also? I don't have time to hunt. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Especially being short-handed. Mm -hmm. But back in the day, was that something that you enjoyed doing? Yeah. Yeah. Do you let other people sometimes come in that you know hunt on, yes. on your farmlands? That's nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's on the management tool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, so what organizations are out there that you and other farmers you'd say are leaning that you lean on for support corporate extension is really a big player out of lancaster yeah lancaster or throughout the country yeah absolutely it's a tremendous resource to have good that's good that they're willing to help you and answer questions mm -hmm. and keep you on the right the right track would you say there's um, anything that's lacking for support in Coos or up where you are in Columbia? It's not really lacking, just more of a challenge to get them to come up this far. Yeah, absolutely. It takes a lot more planning for them to hop in a car and drive up here. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for sure. What would you say there is for farming struggles, you know, in Coos related to the climate and cha the changing climate of today? I think the changing climate is benefiting us up here. We're getting a longer growing season. Mm -hmm, that makes sense. And springs usually come earlier and the frost is later. Right. Absolutely. Like we're going to have, I think, 70 degrees here on Friday. That's yeah. so, that's crazy. It's April. <laughs> it's April. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But we are facing more droughts and other than we used to be in years past too. That's true. That's true. Have you ever had any issues with water on your farm? Yes, I did. You did. Four years ago, we had that major drought. Yeah. Yeah. So well, what did you do? <laughs> luckily, I have a farm pond. I was able to pump water out of the pond to water the animals. Wow. Yeah. So is that pond a natural pond no, or man, something you man-built? It was yeah. man-made. 
So are you happy that you definitely did that? Yeah. I don't blame you. <laughs> Note to other farmers out there, maybe make sure you have a pot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so have you implemented using any equipment that we offer through the conservation district yet in, in your farming practices? I have used the wood ash spreader on several okay. occasions. Awesome. Yet to use a no-till drill. Yeah. It's on my to-do list. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Let me know anytime. Well, actually, it's you have it, so just, you're good because <laughs> you're also a supervisor, so yes. you're essentially my boss, so it's great. Yeah, you can use it whenever you want. <laughs> um, so can you explain, because some people might not understand, like, what is the importance of a wood ash spreader? What, is it, what does it do, and why is it helpful? The wood ash spreader spreads wood ash, like it says. Mm -hmm. The wood ash is very beneficial to the soil through uh, raising a pH of your soil. Okay. Yeah. The micronutrients in the wood ash is very beneficial for the soils too. Right. Absolutely. Cool. So for to utilize that, it's something we obviously we rent out to people. Um, how big of a tractor do you need to be able to pull that? I think minimum of sixty horse. Okay. And for the no-till drill. I think we're talking 80 horse on that. Okay. Just for the weight to pull it around. Right. Absolutely. Because I'm sure it can be heavy. <laughs> yes, heavy. It does pull harder than you think it does. Yeah, it does. Okay. Just for people's safety, you want the a big attractor for the extra security of it. Yeah. No, that makes sense for sure. And um, what would you say would be the benefit of the, the no-till drill? Why is it so exciting to have? It saves you fuel and time. Absolutely. Rather than going through traditionally, you plow the field, disc the field, then you go back and pick your rocks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Help my husband redo a field. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> then you seed it down. This year, you just reseed it. One pass, That's you're it. done. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So how many acres do you think you hope to utilize it in the future, and what do you plan on planting? I plan on doing some reseeding of grass ground. Mm-hmm. Probably a 50 acre piece. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> um, have you seen changes in consumer wants and needs in relation to dairy farms over the years? There seems to be a growing trend that people want raw milk rather than store bought milk. Oh, so raw, straight from the cow, not yeah. pasteurized? Not processed at all. Oh, interesting. Can you explain that difference a little bit for people that might not understand? Well, raw milk is, like we said, straight from the cow. Mm -hmm. It's not processed, nothing. So in theory, the nutrients are more available to the person drinking it. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Versus store-bought, what, what happens to that process? When they heat it to pasteurize it, it kind of binds the nutrients into it. Okay, so you're not necessarily getting as much nutrients yes. then. Oh, is there any rules or regulations about the differences between that, like versus buying in the store, then, you know, being able to just give a consumer, here, here's raw milk. If my memory serves me correct, I think we're allowed 20 gallons per day without a special permit from the state. Okay, so you could, if you wanted to just sell raw milk, you could just get a permit and it should be okay. Yeah. The extra insurance to cover you for liability because it is not a pasteurized product, so there is some harmful bacteria in it, no potential to be harmful. Oh, so that's rough. So, a lot of people 
work. Yes. Yeah, a lot of rules, regulation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you prefer? Do you prefer raw milk or pasteurized? Raw milk. And how? What's the, the taste difference? It's more rich because it's got got all the fat into it. Mm -hmm. When store milk's blended down to like three, four, three, five, but you get whole milk. Mm -hmm. Raw milk could be four, four and a half percent fat. Wow. So it's a thicker, richer, more full-bodied yeah. taste to it. Yeah, sounds really tasty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant. Otherwise, I would totally <laughs> drink it. Uh, but I can say my my daughter, she loves she loves fresh milk. We we usually get it from Flint Farm mm -hmm. in Milan, so it's it's good. It's good stuff. She yep. likes the fat on top. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta remember to shake the milk before you pour it out. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Um, in what ways can consumers best support local dairy farms in Coas County? Most farms up here ship to Agrimark, which owns Cabot. So if you're buying any Cabot oh. products, okay, you're supporting most of the local farms. Okay, so I'm assuming that you you sell to Cabot. Yes. Nice. Do you know what other is the other dairy farms around sell to Cabot too? Uh, most of them do. There's a few other ones that ship to with DFA Dairy Farmers of America. Okay. And that goes to a different processing plant. Okay. Interesting. And where where's Cabot located out of? Cabot, Vermont. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Woo! Here we go. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, interesting. Okay, yeah, that was a little embarrassing of a question, but you know, that's okay. <laughs> hey, I'm learning, you know, yeah. that's why we're doing this. I'm learning things, you know, it's great. Our viewers are learning things and listeners are learning things. So um it's great to to have that piece, educational piece. Um, so kind of wrapping things up, what advice would you have for new farmers today, especially dairy farmers in Coas County and even just in general outside of Coas County? If you're thinking about starting a farm, go work on a farm for a while, get experience. There's a lot to learn. You can't read from a book. Absolutely, so you're saying that hands-on experience is hands a lot on. more than just learning the book work. Yeah. Absolutely, for sure. And to start from the ground up, it's next to impossible today. Is it? Can you explain that a little bit? Between the cash needed to purchase the farm, mm -hmm. purchase the animals, purchase the equipment, mm -hmm. and to find a place to send your milk to. Right. It's impossible. Right. When, before COVID hit, the, uh, we're not taking any new farms on. Really? Oh my goodness. Some farms are looking to get on, they were not taking them. Why do you think that? There's supposedly too much milk being produced right. in the Northeast. Oh my goodness. That's, that's a lot to grasp. Like here you are, you have stuff, you're ready, and then no one to buy. That, yeah. That's like, that's tra like traumatic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what else could you say to kind of help support someone if they wanted to go in this business? I think the best thing to do is find an older farmer who wants to retire, mm -hmm. but wants to keep the farm in production. Right. Yep. And then so maybe slowly transition it over a period of years. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Because right now, how many dairy farms are there in Coas County? I think I you counted know? five left. Five left. And when you started doing this, how many were there? Do you know? I want to say there must have been two or three hundred when I was growing up. Wow. 
lot. Yes. Now come down to a little. Yeah. That's a big change. And would you say that change mostly is just because of the milk needed or just because it's so expensive, the workforce, or all of it together? I think a lot of it was because the kids didn't want to stay on the farm, being tied to the farm, working like that. So the parents farm till they get retirement age and they sold out. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I see that importance and excitement of you hoping that your child comes back to work on the farm <laughs> with you and, and take over. To, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow. So is I mean, there... When I was growing up, there was probably 50 or 60 farms further north than me. Really? So Colebrook, Pittsburgh, Parksville, Stewartstown. Stewartstown. Wow. And now I'm the northernmost dairy left in the state. Wow. That's, that's a big difference. It is. Also a little bit of pressure to keep going, <laughs> maybe. But yeah. And the supply truck would take him three days to service all the farms. Wow. He could do in it day. in an hour or a couple hours, half a day. Really? Oh my goodness. So really it's a, a big change and really we need to be thanking and supporting our farmers yes. because this is a huge, huge thing. And yes. we can't lose any more dairy farms because then where are we going to get our milk from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is, yeah. this is. You think about how strong is a country without its farmers. It crumbles because mm -hmm. we're all consumers. Mm -hmm. We all we all need we need food. We need to drink. We need clothing, shelter, all of the above. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for tying in that importance. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's any last comments that you want to share with anybody? No, don't be afraid to stop at any farm and talk to them. Learn. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Thank you. Well, this this was so wonderful, Scott. Thank you so much for joining thank me today. Me. I really appreciate it. And make sure you go out there and thank your farmers <laughs> because they literally run America. So thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. We're, we'll be back in studio soon. We're going to have Keith Robinson from Robinson Family Farm. He's also going to talk about farming. So we're going to continue on the agriculture train today. <laughs> thank you all. <laughs> This podcast was recorded at Flume Media in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, check out our website, www.colosscountyconservation.org, and subscribe to our monthly newsletter for upcoming events.